we're so hard on ourselves sometimes to make sure we check off the list of self-care, of being able to perform at work, be able to navigate the schedules of our children, that sometimes we don't give ourselves grace for the messy. Hello, and welcome to the latest episode of the Finding Fearless podcast. I am your host, Madeline Pratt, and today's conversation could not be more timely. If you are a mother or a woman in the workplace that is navigating back to school or re-entering a work environment where you feel like you need better solutions and resources to really advocate for yourself, or better yet, if you know another woman who is in a similar situation, this is the conversation for y'all. I'm talking with Kimberly Diedrichson of Learning Motherhood. She is a dear friend of the Fearless Foundry, and she has so much wisdom to offer us here on this episode today. So can't wait to dive in. Here is my conversation with Kimberly. Hello, and welcome to the latest episode of the Finding Fearless podcast. I am your host, Madeline Pratt, and I am so excited for the conversation we're having today because it is super, super timely if you are a woman with children navigating this back to school season and just life in general right now as a mom. So here with me today is Kimberly Dietrichson. And Kimberly resides in Huntington Beach, California with her husband, three children, and two dogs. And she is a powerhouse who spent 15 years growing her career at a Fortune 100 company. Her career was essentially her baby. And then she had a real baby, which absolutely turned her world upside down. She battled postpartum depression and got lost in her new identity as a mom, wife, and individual. As she transitioned full-time into motherhood, she found confidence in her role as a care provider and learning motherhood, her new company, was born. She also discovered a deep passion for supporting working mothers through the transition into motherhood, while also helping organizations retain their mothers as they enter into a new season of life with the growth of their family. Kimberly, I am so glad your work exists, and I am so happy to have you here on the podcast. Welcome. Thank you so much. I'm thrilled to be on the podcast and a listener, so I'm excited for today's conversation. Me too. So since you're a listener, you you know where this thing kicks off. It's a little bit of a loaded question, but really, I want to dive into the, more of the story of how you got to the work that you're doing today. So what has shaped you as a woman and also as a mother into this, this human you are now and the work you're doing now? So my experience as a child exposed me to a tremendous amount of work ethic. My mother had three jobs. She was a young mom in her 20s. And so I saw her working really hard at an early age. So was my father in the military, shipped away and you know, from that, I also just, our family was different. And so I also was exposed to a lot of compassion for different people and how they live their lives. And I'm so thankful for that because it was such a huge part of being able to be well-rounded in terms of who I connect with, how I connect with them and how to support different people with different family dynamics. 
and I just like also coming from a small town, I wanted to see more. So I grew up in a very small town in New England, in Maine, down East Maine, and just felt so strongly that there's more to see in the world. And I want to experience it so that I can really understand where people are coming from and how to really approach, you know, my life as I grew into an adult. And out of that work ethic, I went, I said, I wanted to go to a business school. We made it happen. (laughs) And I said, I wanted to go to a top business school and we made it happen. And what I learned from this is the ability to say and do what you want are two different things, but saying that you want something and feeling like you can't get it is incredibly frustrating. At the same time, there are so many ways that you can work towards it and you put it out there and you find a way to get there. And so, you know, coming from not a family that had a lot of money, you know, the ability to be able to go to a top business school in New England and then say, hey, I'm going to move out to California with two bags. (laughs) Like this is all things that I feel like that has shaped me as a mother in terms of exposure to just knowing that Things take work. The experience is worth it because you find strength in that. You find Mm -hmm. power in that. And then you also find the ability to adjust and understand that, you know, life isn't given to you. It's all about what you make of it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I, I, I mean, one of the things that I I love about your approach to all this is it's like, you know, you're very much somebody who like dives in and like takes it on and, you know, entrepreneurship, it takes that energy of like, I'm going to figure it out as I go. And so, you know, you went from, like I said, in your intro, like working at a fortune 100 to starting your own company. So will you, will you share with me, like how learning motherhood came into being? Because I just think it's such a beautiful and organic expression of the journey you went through as a mother to now own a company that does the work that you do. So, so will you tell a little bit more of that story? Yeah. So as I was mentioning, you know, I kind of knew early on in high school that I was going to go into business. I was going to work for a large organization and I was going to grow within that organization. And I was going to become a leader. And that is exactly what happened. <laughs> Everything kind of aligned because I just worked at it and worked at it on a daily basis to make it happen. And then I said, okay, I'm going to have a family. And this is all like everything that I had put in place in terms of what my dreams and aspirations were, were coming to fruition. And it was great. What I didn't really fully understand is the transition that happens when you have a family and how that impacts your career. And I just didn't get it. And this experience really was the foundation of creating learning motherhood for new moms, adopted, adopted children that come into families, whatever the scenario is, it's a transition that kind of, excuse me for being very blunt here, but it kind of like smacks you in the face. (laughs) And, you know, I had this thought that I was just going to have this family, put my baby on my hip, drop them off at daycare, 
and just continue on my merry way. And what I learned is that you change. And from that experience, I struggled deeply with that change and how to connect as a mother, as a partner, and then also someone that was pursuing a career that she really believed strongly about and had committed 12 years at that point too. So what I will tell you is that I went through a tremendous amount of identity. I guess I wasn't clear on who I was. I didn't know how to connect the two. And from that, I struggled with kind of leaving my house. I didn't know how I was going to return back to work. I had built this career on accountability, on being present, on doing all the activities that they asked me to do, going to the events, doing all the things. And then I didn't know how I was going to be able to do that now that I was a mother. And then I looked to my left and right and said, okay, who is my tribe to kind of help me through this? Who's going through this same thing with me? And I found no one. And so from that experience, from like this idea that women returning to their career, parents returning to their career have to power through is just not acceptable to me. And so that was the beginning stages of learning motherhood being created. It was an idea at the time I needed a full-time position. I could not, it, I didn't have a choice. I had to return to my job and I wanted to somehow connect the two. And I struggled with that deeply. And then unfortunately, after our second baby, they changed my job description to 90% travel. And it was with a two-year-old, newly two-year-old and a four-month-old. And I just said, I can't do it. I cannot do this. They offered me options, which meant a 15% pay cut and, or that's actually all they offered. I actually advocated for a severance package. And when I asked for that severance package, I realized that the sadness of leaving my career was overwhelming and I needed to figure out a way for other women not to go through this. And I'll just say, like, I don't blame my company. I blame the fact that organizations aren't educated enough to understand how to support women. Parents, I I say parents because I also feel like this is something that happens to dads too, but they just are silent about it. And we need to be heard and organizations can support families. And if they have the right tools, they can retain people like me who really did commit and love the organization that they worked for. Yeah. I mean, I'm so glad you're bringing all these, these threads in like, because I'm like, oh, I want to talk about all of them, first of all. But, but, you know, the important thing is there's, there's two sides of this equation, right? Like there's this side where, you know, I'm a mother, I'm going through this huge, you know, identity shift, this transition myself, I've got to figure out entirely different support systems, right? Because it's like, the difference between, you know, I'm like, you know, I have employees who, who, who don't have children. And it's like, you know, they get up at eight, and they like, have their breakfast, and they're on by nine. And like, that's it. And I'm like, yeah, and now I get up at 530. 
or six, maybe, you know, if I want to get anything done for myself, it has to happen before the kids wake up. And then there's the kids and then there's, you know, getting everybody out the door for the day. And, and, you know, I get in earlier than most people, but it's a whole different operating system for your lifestyle. And that operating system changes depending on if they're newborns or they're toddlers, or they're finally in, in kindergarten, the operating system changes if it's one or two or three, you know, there are so many different steps along the way where just when I feel like you kind of have it handled it, you're like, oh, just kidding. <laughs> I've got to figure it all out again. I mean, just before we hit record, you know, you and I were talking about this back to school fall transition that that all of the moms we know are doing. And we're like, please, Lord, just keep them, keep them in the care. Don't send anybody home. Don't have to quarantine. Like if we could just get a few months under our belt. So there's the whole stuff that we do as moms. And then there's the whole organizational side of what can organizations be doing to support moms in transitioning back to work and, and you know, being flexible and supportive of them as things come up, as kids get older, all of those things. So will you talk about, you know, how how does learning motherhood support mothers? And then will you talk about how learning motherhood supports organizations? Yeah, absolutely. And I want to say like one of the benefits of this pandemic is that people have been able to work from home. Parents have been able to do that, which we've been advocating for so long and flexibility. But as you look at how mothers, parents are feeling, they're exhausted. So those benefits are not actually solving the issue. And I say that because I think that the idea of organizations putting that out there is amazing. And we want that, right? But that can't be the end all be all. And so learning motherhood is actually here to support organizations being able to educate and train their managers, their HR teams to help support this discussion of when families are in this scenario. So when you look at the an organization like mine that I came from prior to starting learning motherhood, information is funneled down in a couple different ways. Typically, it's either a training or a webinar you have to watch, or it's an email that's funded down. But where's the checks and balances? What's the communication with the actual employee? And that is where there's a separation of reality <laughs> versus what, you know, maybe at the top, leadership wanted to be translated down. And that is where learning motherhood comes in. We really help make sure that the information and consult on what should this look like for organizations with family-friendly programming, our return to work series. So things like what happened to me don't happen to another employee. So that someone knows how to talk to a person like me who's been with the organization for a while, wants to figure out a solution, and we work together on finding that so that we can retain them. And then on an individual standpoint, we also offer this for companies, is also the ability to have accessibility to our return to work series. And that is really humanizing the workplace. And that is actually looking at, okay, there's all the things that need to be accomplished for you to transition back to work logistically. But there's also this other side that is an identity shift. That is 
just the thoughts and scare of childcare and what that means and how do I navigate this? This is so overwhelming because I can't really even think past the fact of handing my baby to anyone else and me not seeing them smile at that moment. And so we kind of help through those discussions through our video series and then through our community, our online community. And then in addition to that, we have our experts come in to talk about the things that aren't going to be talked about at work because we're just not there yet. So we're going to talk about the postpartum transition, how you're feeling mentally. We're going to talk about your relationships. We have a relationship therapist come in, lactation support, nutritionists. We have just so many offerings for experts, financial support, because all of a sudden you're paying for childcare and you're like, this is draining. How do I actually work towards, you know, funding college and like all these thoughts that women, men are going through, but they can't like, it's just causing so much of a fog in order to be able to focus at work. And when you start to have some sort of path, I call it a suitcase of options. We're going to give you what you need to kind of navigate this. You decide what works for you. We're not going to tell you this is the only way. We're going to give you an idea of ways to approach it and you decide what fits for you. I I love this because in every step of that description, I am hearing you solve the problems that I know you faced, but also that I faced and that like every mom I know faced. And part of it comes from the fact that you're having to do all of the figuring it out. You know, it's all of this mental load stuff. And then on top of that, you're trying to like come back and actually be able to do your job. And like I was telling one of my one of my employees last week about, you know, the first couple of weeks being back at, at the company I worked for at the time. And I, I, I remember like it was like my first day where I was like, I've got my shit together. Like I was like in a cute top that sort of felt good because I had, you know, all, a lot of like body dysmorphia postpartum that I'd like found this wrap top that was like, you know, you got to go get those outfits. Like, can I whip a boob out of it so that I can pump? And I had, you know, the situation with my partner with him being a firefighter was he would work these 24 hour shifts and then he would get off shift and he would show up at my office and I'd hand him a baby and I'd leave. And I, I remember so vividly being like, I got it. I got on time to work. I'm in a great outfit. I like finally feel like myself. Baby's like three months old. He's like sitting, cooing in his little um, car seat, you know, happy. Everything's happy. And I'm like, I'm a power mom. I'm typing on my laptop. And all of a sudden I like, you know, the whiff, like the smell happens. And I'm like, oh no. And I turn around and baby still smiling, gurgling, happy is like sitting in like just a major blowout situation. And here I am in this white wrap top in the middle of a WeWork. So everything's made of glass. And I had to like, one, everyone was just like so freaked out that there was like a baby there in the first place because like dogs were totally welcome, but human children was like a lot for all the millennials to handle. And I'm like walking down this hallway with like my arms as far away from me, holding this like poo explosion baby, you know, trying to walk to the, the, what was like the combination of the mother's room, but also luckily had showers in it. And then I'm there, you know, and it's that that moment, that break that happens where it's like, you were like, I have it all together. And then suddenly I'm in the shower and I'm like crying because I'm like, what is this baby doing here in this office? I feel so embarrassed and ashamed. All of these emotions come up. And 
there's a level of resilience that I think we as moms build over time because we just start dealing with situations where that, where it's like, you've handled it. You, you know how to get through a situation like that once you've done it once. But the other thing for me that started to really build a sense of resilience is developing new routines, developing new schedules, developing these habits where it's like, yes, I get up before the kids. Yes, I meditate every day. Yes, I, I do these things for myself so that regardless of what the day throws at me, I feel grounded. And so I'm curious to hear from you because we were talking about, you know, your schedule has changed recently and back to school. So as you're looking towards fall, what are the, the schedules and habits and routines that you're kind of committing yourself to to make make the juggle more in, more sane? Because it's always a juggle. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. So you're right. My schedule changed from the summer to the fall. My kids just went back to school yesterday and there was even a transition with that. So there was a transition from last week to this week in terms of what that was going to look like. I had, and you know, one of the things we teach at learning motherhood is routines and schedules. And we have a routine specialist that joins in our expert community. So I have like a list of things that are going to be a part of that. However, I just want to like, we're so hard on ourselves sometimes to make sure we check off the list of self-care of being able to perform at work, be able to navigate the schedules of our children that sometimes we don't give ourselves grace for the messy. And so what I'm saying is that I am working on that new routine because it's different. So I'm experiencing it for the first time. And this is actually something we talk about in our series too, because you kind of need to practice to develop like what you want it to look like. And so for me, one of the things that I'm taking from the summer to now is you talked about meditation. I've never been a meditator, but I definitely have three small children and I need some quiet time. And so one of the things that I'm hoping to like re-enter into my schedule after this week of adjustment and kind of figuring out the flow is five minutes to myself in the morning. I set a timer. I don't look at email, nothing. I just go outside and have a little bit of coffee and just do some big exhales and inhales and I don't know, like try not to think about things, even though it enters often. And I did that during the summer break when we traveled for a month and worked from anywhere. It was everything in terms of kind of dealing with all the changes. We, we were in seven, six different places in a month. So going from transition and with different people, family that was so great to be with, but it's constant transition with three kids, two adults working and going to new places every single time. So that kept me super grounded. So that's one thing that I will, I'm looking to add back into our routine next week. And then one of the other things that I think is really crucial that we miss when we're working from home is building transitions from career to motherhood and motherhood to career. Oftentimes it's like, okay, I did something with the kids and I'm transitioning right back to my computer to maximize the time on online. The issue with that is we're not hundred percent present. And so we're trying to muscle through being present at the time. So one of the big things that I do is I build in 
a little bit of a transition, again, not long, five minutes from switching my brain from career to motherhood and back again. (laughs) And those two things are probably the biggest things that I will continue to do as we go into the fall. So what I love about this is a couple of pieces. One is I'm like, I'm a huge proponent of this, this switch mode. And like, part of it is that I've had to like better communicate with my partner about like, Hey, like I need to, I need a minute to set my switch, my CEO brain off. And one of the first things I do, even though I don't work from home most of the time, or occasionally I'll work from home if, if, you know, that's best for this, the family, but is that I will just change clothes. And this seems like such a minor thing, but it's like, you know, I, I will like yesterday, it was like, I had on a white top and a nice pair of pants. And then I was like, I'm eating dinner with children. We need to change this outfit. But just that going upstairs, putting on something that's comfortable, that's not CEO mode, mommy, like that helps me do the mental switch. And the other one is I'm a queen of the fake commute. Like I, my house and my office are all of three minutes apart. But what I have started to do in the mornings is I leave early and I go and I drive somewhere and I sit in the car as if I was stuck in traffic and I drink coffee and I like listen to a podcast. And then my newest one is I actually got like a bike because that makes my commute longer. And again, it's like, it gets me out of my brain. It gets me into my body. It's just this little transition moment. And I think that that is something that's been so missing from this Zoom-based world is it's very easy to just do back-to-back-to-back-to-back things. And I don't think our brains are evolved for that. I think that's why burnout is so high is that we've got this constant ticker and this, this, you know, oh, I'm on to the next thing before our body has really like processed what we're doing. The other words that I just want to call in because I relate to them so much is you said flow and you said season. And this is the biggest thing for me that has really been kind of like an undoing of the corporate environment is that, oh yeah, I can decide the way that my days unfold. I can decide that, you know, in summer, I'm going to start early because I'm up with the sun and I'm you know, I've got more energy and it's kind of a go, go, go energy. And I'm okay in the summer with things just being like, it's a little wild. But then when it gets to fall, there's a different flow I want. We're in a new season. I want habits and routines. I want to line up, you know, these sort of things. And so I think what I love about what you're sharing is you're giving women permission to say like, you're going to keep reinventing this over and over again. You're going to find a little tidbit. It's like, I found the meditation piece. Okay. We're going to carry that forward and create a new routine that integrates rather than thinking that it's just this daily, you know, monotonous checklist that if you didn't hit everything on the routine, you know, the world's going to fall apart. And so really just like finding what works for you. And, and the, the hard part about this for me was, I'll be honest, I didn't find that ability to create that sort of ritual routine for myself until I left a male dominated workforce. And I, you know, I worked in tech and, and there was like, this is the way we do things. And, and when I became a mother, it was so hard to just like create space and advocate for myself in the way that I needed. And even just something as simple as advocating to get the parental leave that I needed. I didn't even know how to begin that conversation. And so I just know that there are a lot of new moms or moms to be who listen to this podcast. And that's something you and I have both walked to the line of. So how would you how would you, you know, what, what words of wisdom would you offer to a mom who's, you know, going into motherhood and trying to navigate, how do I, how do I, A, hold space and boundaries for myself? 
How do I get the leave that I need? And then how do I come back in a way that I'm going to be supported in a work environment that was kind of created by and for men? That's that's a loaded one. <laughs> yeah, I feel like we could do a whole podcast. I'm like, that's a 20 part podcast. Let's go. <laughs> So, you know, how do you advocate for yourself um, when you are kind of newly in this motherhood space, meaning you're pregnant or you're going through the adoption process or you're in that scenario where you will be kind of transitioning onto parental leave? I think the most important thing is to understand that maybe you don't know the answer right now. So what I, what I say is when I was transitioning onto parental leave, I got asked, I don't know, weekly, daily, like, when are you coming back? How many weeks are you taking? What does that look like? And I said, every birth is different. Every pregnancy is different. I don't know mine. I can't predict it. The other thing that I said was, I know what I'm allotted to. So just anticipate me taking that time. And so that's the other thing I would add to this while you're pregnant is to really understand your rights. No one's going to tell you them. You really, unless you come to learning motherhood, we'll help you out on that (laughs) because we have an employment rights attorney that speaks in our community, Daphne Delvo, and she's amazing. She's here in California, but she does speak on just federal leave rights as well. And uh, so anyway, what I will tell you is that finding out what your parental leave is not going to necessarily be from your HR team. My HR team told me to go look and find out what the state gives because of many reasons. But the biggest reason that I got was they didn't want to tell me the wrong thing and possibly get sued because of California laws. They're so very strict. I don't know. I'm not an employment rights attorney, so I'll leave it at that. But that was exactly what I received as a comment. So I did. I actually did the work and it was a lot of work (laughs) to find these answers. But what I did learn is that California has a lot of rights for you. And so there are states that do do that have more extensive rights and you could have accessibility to that. In addition, talk to others in your circle. So other women that have gone through pregnancies that have worked at your company to get information in terms of how they handle their leave, good, bad, ugly, you know, doesn't mean you're taking exactly what they did, but you're just taking in information so you can understand the makeup, the culture, and the expectation that's out there before you start kind of putting out your plan. And then lastly, I will say is communication is key. So when you're ready to share whatever you're comfortable with, how you communicate is key. So what I would say is I plan on coming back I really enjoy working here. I have built a career here. I'm really excited about having a family and having a career. And it's just simple like that. Anything more than that is probably up to what you're comfortable to say, but not necessarily something the company needs to know. And I I think that's the thing. Like, it feels like such a tentative conversation. And I would encourage women to like, 
you know, understand their understand their rights going into that conversation first and foremost, yes. because because that's the thing is that knowledge is power. Like that knowledge is power, and you feel confident in your ability to stand up for yourself. And it's so it's so huge. And and you know, the the thing that was the piece that I was missing was having that information going in. So I I felt like, well, I've just got to settle for what is offered as opposed to saying, well, this is, you know, this is what I would, I would like, and this is what I know I deserve. And like, one of the ones that I feel like many women don't know, and I've heard stories of is that like, you're entitled to get your full position back. And so I've heard so many horror stories of women who are like, companies will be like, well, we know you're going to have a hard time coming back. So why don't we move you into this role? And they're offered something that is less in value then that and it's almost like they're being kind of managed out in a way and i myself had that happen i was offered something of a i was offered a lower salary in exchange for getting the flexibility i wanted and i was like no no <laughs> like i've worked really hard to earn this much money like we can't just turn around and say well you know if you want to if you want to be flexible we're going to you know cut your salary by a significant portion and so i just didn't feel like i had what I needed to negotiate well. So I love that you all are are doing this for moms. And I think there's a lot of women who are headed into a, a pretty difficult season of negotiation. I don't want to say difficult, but a really important season of negotiation right now because we have kids returning to school, hopefully, fingers crossed. And then we have women that maybe are re-entering the workplace or are you know repositioning themselves. I just know so many women who are taking on new jobs and so it's such a, I don't know, there's a lot of like the negotiating energy in the air right now. And so I'm curious to know like what advice you think it's really critical for mothers to have in their pocket as they're going back to the workforce right now after this time of just, you know, playing primary parent or being the most flexible one to help their kids during, you know, the season of remote schooling. Yeah, I think one of the biggest pieces to this is confidence. So mm. you've taken time off you feel like somehow you're already considered less than. And you and I know that it's not the case. But that goes through your head because you're thinking about who the candidates are that are applying for the same position. And so I just first want to say the system failed you and this is not okay, but companies are learning from their mistakes. And while there is so much more to be done, there is a home for you. And don't settle for something that doesn't fit. So we did an episode on our podcast, Motherhood and Career Glide, about an employee that went through this on LinkedIn. And he went through, they were going to have them go through nine interviews, nine interviews for one position. And he, at the fourth one, was like, clearly, this is not a fit for me because I'm not going to be in all these meetings because what you're sharing with me is that you can't make a decision. And so these are the red flags that you you're you're interviewing a company too. It's not you, you know, kind of like the company not is not above you. You're also interviewing because you have the value to provide the company. And sometimes we have to change that mindset and when we do that, we we get the job we want. We get the to the place we want. You know, the universe finds us in a way that's fits the need. And so I I think that it's unfortunate that we somehow kind of play these 
mental gymnastics in our head, but it's built there because of a system that never has worked that was built by men. You know, women entered into the workforce in drones later on. They built this for men. And so, you know, we're trying to reinvent and companies are learning. Are they all there? No, not even close. But we are seeing some advancements there. So that would be what I would say. And I also think that there's a tremendous amount of guilt sometimes with mom saying like, wait a minute, I, I actually don't want to stay home with my kids. Like, yeah, this was a great in theory, but now I'm home and I'm not loving this. And it's okay to admit that you like to work. So that's the other advice I would give that if something's not feeling good and you want to go back to work, that's okay. That's okay. We have a tremendous guilt. Like we're supposed to be built to be this certain type of mother and we don't need to operate in that box. And I will tell you, I went through those feelings too. And I'm so glad I'm on the other side of that. I'm a better mm-hmm. mother because I work. Oh my gosh. And and I love I love hearing you say that because I feel like so many more moms need to feel like they have the permission to own it, to say like, because it, we we're given this false paradigm where it's like, you're either a career lady or you're a mom. And I'm like, that's like a total 1950s, like, like paradigm to give us. And, and so I think like part of the way we reinvent and part of the way we break it is like, I'm a kiss, kick-ass businesswoman who also runs a company and I have children and I have a family. It's not either, or it's, it's, you know, these are two sides of who I am and they make me who I am. And it's not that one is better or prioritized over. And I would even argue that like, I'm a more dynamic human. I'm a more qualified human because somehow we're managing to, to flex between all of those pieces. But that's been a huge one for me is, is surrounding myself with women who are not apologetic about their love to work and also equally surrounding myself with friends who love their motherhood. And I feel like that allows me to embrace those both sides of my identity more and not see them as in conflict with each other, which I feel like is kind of like that the crap that the working world forces down our throats. So I have a part B question I have to ask because I have I have a hot button opinion here, which is that I I think that part of part of the only way for us to truly like move the needle on this one is for women to create their own companies because I think that you know don't get me wrong I think the work you're doing to shift organizations is super super important and my hope is that they will get there sooner rather than later because it's not just for mothers it's for all parents right that we need to have this paradigm shift but I think the way that we can move the needle fastest is for women to step up and create companies that have those systems in place already, because that kind of forces those other guys to go, well, crap, if we want to retain people who are parents, which is like a huge portion of the population, we now have to compete with these companies that are offering flexibilities, that are offering paid parental leave, that are offering this environment from the get-go. And I think that that's a huge part of the shift is that like, some of us need to just step out of the corporate workforce and being just be like, just kidding, like, we're going to make it our way. And you guys are going to have to catch up. And I'm just curious if you agree with that. Like, do you think that that's an essential part is some of us have to just step out and, and, and blaze the path so that the larger corporate companies kind of speed up the process of, of getting on board with these new ideas? I think it's both. So when you see companies, like I'll give an example of a company that I'm fully 
all over right now in love with <laughs> is Bobby. And oh, yeah. they are doing exactly that. They are, you know, they're right in the forefront of this amazing conversation and advocating and have a really great um, start to how they're building their organization. And it's wonderful to watch. And then I see other companies that are further along that are getting asked, like, do you offer this? Do you do this for your organization? How are you doing this? And I think there's other organizations that are supporting that conversation to help the big organizations get on board, like the Mom Project, who is doing the recruiting for very large organizations too. And I fully support, but again, like you're looking at these and we're talking about women-owned companies here. So when I say that, I say it both because I do see that there's opportunity for men to be a part of this conversation. And honestly, we can't do this alone. We need that support. We need that changement and engagement. For instance, another company that I saw doing some cool things is Headspace. And they were giving every other Friday off for their workers. And then you see an organization like Bumble, who was like, I'm just going to give you a week off because everyone's burnt out. And that was another woman-owned company. So validating your point and then also saying like, there are some male pieces to this that need to be a part of the conversation. Mm -hmm. And also like another one that I'll say is Salesforce. I see that they have a very robust offering and really support working parents. So, you know, I think that there's room to advance in both places, but to your point, women organizations have to be a part of and really are like, what an amazing thing to be trailblazers for the future. We're watching history happening right now. And it gives me chills thinking about what that will do for the future for our kids and their kids. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think that's so, that's so exciting. And, and, and the, the other piece, like you said, is it's, it's, it's everyone's kind of up leveling from each other. And, and, and the thing that I think is so great is people are being more vocal about it too, you know? And so it's, I think that that's a really essential piece to the puzzle is it's great to be doing these things, but I even have realized that like, okay, wait, if my small company can give, you know, maternity leave, we need to be talking about that because we need to be pushing. Like if I can pull it off, like there's more companies that can be doing it. And part of it is about a major mindset shift that doesn't happen unless we're talking about, you know, these things out loud and out in the open. And that's the thing that I really love about learning motherhood is I, I feel like you guys are just starting so many important, critical conversations among mothers, among employers. And so I'm, I'm curious, you know, of all the work you've done so far, what, what would you say you're most, you're most proud of in terms of what you've built inside the organization? When I hear from a mother that we made a difference, we made a difference mm-hmm. because she advocated for herself at work. She talked through a tough conversation. She didn't not say what she needed to say. She said it and saw results from it. That is everything, whether we're a startup organization or, you know, hopefully years from now, we're a medium-sized organization that those stories literally keep me going and have kept me going through COVID 
And I'm so thankful for the opportunity to some, in some way, some place, shape or form, support conversations happening to create change within organizations. I love that so much. And I know exactly what you're talking about. It's like, those are the moments where it's like, there could have been 500 people in in the Zoom room or whatever it is, but it's just that one who reaches out and says, you know, this made a difference. And you're like, okay, it matters. It's helping people. This is my goal. I totally know that moment. Okay. So my last question for you today is, is really, you know, it comes back to the ethos of this podcast is, is, you know, we're, we're trying to spark conversations that, that spark this level of not just ambition, but that this, this realization of, of, you know, part of going down this path and, and this journey of entrepreneurship has to do with facing your fears. And so I'm really curious to know, like, what does it mean to be fearless to you? And, you know, if you have any stories about, you know, here's a fearless moment in the life of Kimberly, <laughs> like, what, is, what does that look like? To keep going when it's really hard, when, mm. you know, you're the only one showing up, you're the only one kind of moving the bus. And that's the case for most entrepreneurs, right? Like you're championing yourself in the beginning. There's, you don't have a team working with you. You're, you're kind of starting something from the ground up and building it on your own. And it's a lot of like what I would say represents motherhood, right? Like Mm -hmm. to keep going when it's hard, like we all have really hard stories of motherhood moments and you're kind of shocked that you actually got through it. And then also really feel strong that you did it and you learned from it. So for me personally, I would say, you know, COVID did a number on our plan. We had planned to do in-person discussion series for a year. And that got, we launched like six months before COVID. And so the plan was like to do that for a year, grab so many different industries in terms of what women return to careers in and be able to have a really full, complete view of how to support whether you're an accountant, an attorney in PR, or you're a nurse. And we were able to grab that information luckily, but we did not get to do it for as long as I had hoped. And so pivoting during a pandemic sooner than you anticipated, doing your year three plan in year one is probably the most fearless place that I've been in my career because I've never worked harder to believe in something that I feel wholeheartedly needs to change even after kind of feeling like you were knocked down out of circumstances you can't control. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, I love that famous story and I, I, I love the work you've created so far. And I just, I cannot wait to see where, where you all go in the next three years, because I believe the work you're doing is so essential. It's so needed. And I just, I want to say thank you to you from the bottom of my heart for just coming by and sharing your story and for everything you're doing in the world to support mothers and families in this, in this critical time. So thank you so much, Kimberly, for coming by and for sharing your story with our listeners. Thank you so much. And I'm so appreciative of what you're doing for entrepreneurs. I love it. And I appreciate the opportunity to be on the podcast. I don't know about you all, but this episode hit really close to home. It was a really poignant conversation to have, and it made me reflect a lot on what it was like for me when I 
first was really starting out in the working world, you know, I had a kid by the the first corporate job I ever had. I had my son when I was a junior in college. And so kids are always a part of my equation, but it felt like for such a long time, they were something that I had to apologize and, you know, accommodate for and have to, you know, make, feel like I was making excuses when I would have to, you know, miss work to take care of my son or something like that. And the thing that I love about Kimberly's approach is, is she's really pushing us to recognize that this, this isn't something that moms need to apologize for. And in fact, it's the responsibility of the system at large to shift to really accommodate mothers and organizations, if they really want to get with the times, are going to have to make strides and changes to make sure that moms feel happy and supported and ready to come back to work. If you haven't already, I would encourage you to go into the show notes and check out what Learning Motherhood is up to. Their programs are so powerful. And even if you're not a new mom, chances are you might know one. And there are a lot of women that are reevaluating, renegotiating their experiences in the working world. So there's probably somebody you know who could benefit from this episode. And we always love hearing when somebody finds our podcast when when a friend passes it along. The other thing I want to remind you is just in the nature of, of establishing support systems, we have built a community for leaders that are looking to do things differently in the world of business, leaders that are looking to pave ways for mothers to be successful in the workplace. And many of, of the members of our Finding Fearless community are moms that are also working full or part-time. So if you are looking to connect with the community, you know, Learning Motherhood has a great one. And then we have a great one, the Finding Fearless community. If you want to check it out and get your first month free, you can go to fearlessfoundry.com slash join Finding Fearless and use the code podcast to get access to your first month of our community. We hold workshops. We've got resources. We've got a Slack community where all of our members are getting together and connecting with each other. And we are just so blown away by the things that these members share and the ways that they are shifting the working world together. Okay. Until next time, I have been your host, Madeline Platt, and you've been listening to the Finding Fearless podcast. Thank you for your listen. Thank you for spending some time here with me today. Wishing you all well, and I'll see you here next week.